an angel can appear and help you with an emergency, then vanish into thin air, or give you an idea, a concept, or an action to follow. But what is the role of the rulers, powers, and spiritual forces mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6 in the Bible? We discuss this and a whole lot more coming up next on Darkness to Light. Okay, so what are the hybrid projects? The, uh, with the Greys, it was approved in the Eisenhower administration in 1954, and an embryo would be put inside of a woman, and then it would be retrieved at a later date. So my involvement was missing time blackouts in the mid-70s, 75, 76, 77, in which they were taking my female companions from me in my car, taking both of us, uh, and then putting the embryo in the woman, and then sending us back to the car. So I experienced multiple experiences of those, which I didn't understand until close to 40 years later. So uh, let me ask you this, Kenneth. Do you think that there's any connection spiritually to these types of abductions? Uh, there's a lot of spiritual development that abductees had in my psychic development classes and working with helping people delve out the best performers were the abductees in the psychic work. Uh, the, they excelled in development. Uh, so that, that surprised me. Uh, the ETs are very real. They're very solid. Uh, I've been involved with them since infancy. Unfortunately, I didn't know that. Uh, I thought incidences were dreams. The question I wanted to ask you, Kenneth, uh, in the last uh, episode, you mentioned that your wife had passed, and again, I'm sorry about your loss. Um, what did she die of, exactly? She died of uh, oh God. Uh, pulmonary hypertension, a disease I never heard of. But <laughs> basically, the lungs lost the capacity to produce oxygen for the blood. So then pressure developed from the heart to the lung and hers reached 80 pounds uh, pressure so that the oxygen could get into the blood. Eventually, it basically left her so she couldn't move in the final stages. Uh, it took about a, it, the last year was the fastest development. My wife was abducted on occasions, but she technically wasn't an abductee. I had asked the Greys to evaluate her uh, with her first bout of cancer. I had the Greys pick up a couple people uh, to check them out. Uh, and uh, I, of course, was very angry at them in the hybrid projects. Uh, I had incredible aggression and anger against them. I didn't realize I was still involved with them in the 2000s. Uh, but they were doing medical checkups. They're doing uh, simple medical procedures on me. They seem to do that with most their abductees, even though the women may no longer be able to give birth or, or raise or have children, they'll continue to attend to their physical needs. Uh, they seem to like to keep in touch with uh, a lot of people involved in the hybrid projects. When we did the hypnosis on the subjects of the mid-70s, it was terror for the women. Uh, 
the 2015 testimony I was listening to, uh, the woman was comforted, very comfortable, to the point where she handed her baby to the Greys in her bedroom. Uh, so the, the Greys have changed their methodology in their hybrid program. People that get hypnotized or programmed by aliens. I wasn't hypnotized. Eisenhower and Truman both made deals with the reptilians and the Greys that if somebody gets abducted, they do not know exactly what happened. Even Travis Walton still trying to figure out what happened to him. And he's probably one of the most famous cases as far as abduction goes. But in reality, when I work with people and I go into the ship, what was going on to their bodies, aliens only need two things from people. People don't even want to talk about that. So, you know, I, I, I've been dealing with this since I was, what, six years old? And uh, I'm 57 now. So when I met with people, I did all the UFO conferences a while back. I was lecturing for Global Sciences. I met all the people. We obviously have two different experiences here. So I, I, don't, I don't see any. Um, I'm not. Yeah, you know, my experience is I'm personal. I was in their ships. I'm talking about. The reptilians were not the Nordics and the Palladians. And an, an alien can lie just as much as a person can lie. A person can say they love you and kill you next week. So I found more lies among the general population than I ever found with the ETs. Okay, well, here's what I found. ETs have been here a long time, all right? A long time. They never did anything beneficial, spiritual for the world, ever. I'm in Hawaii. We have the first center of defense for the United States here in Hawaii. We got an underground base that goes six levels down. And I was working, talking with people that work in there, saying they already destroyed lots of, uh, what do you call it, uh, the, the little ships that they're sending out. They said there's going to be three motherships coming here within the next two years that are planning on attacking the planet. Now, uh, my, uh, Putin, Mr. Putin, live on Russian TV, said they are dealing with 24 races. Two of them want to destroy the planet. They had two wars with races. I know they did. Uh, but he said that publicly on TV. So, you know, it's everybody that I know in the UFO world said there's 27 races, up to 47 races that the world's dealing with. I did a show. I've with been Morris working with positive experiences and with good ETs, and I don't think you can yeah, classify all the ETs as bad. Look at the world today. There are good ETs, there us? are bad ETs. The reptilians have done a lot of damage to bad people for centuries. Look at the world we're creating. All right, ever since Atlantis went down, the human race became mass killers, all right? And we have been staying that way. Alien races have been coming here using us for food and blood. They don't need anything else from us. They don't need our brains. They don't need our skin. I mean, they need our DNA, which is our blood, all right? And I can tell you how they clone the graves. I, got, I saw a video of them cloning All I know is my experiences and okay. those a I interviewed. person's experience, all right? Yes. I know people that say their experience is great. When you hypnotize them and you bring them back on the ship, they're programmed. Every, everybody that comes back, all the experiences have a great experience. Oh, they're taken to another place. They're shown beautiful worlds. They're shown this. Why don't they help the human race? Okay. All right, I just okay, something. To me, there's only one topic that's more important than every other topic man can come up with. And that's called G-O-D, God. Every other topic a man creates and plays with and, and talks about only takes us away from that. All right? I mean, government, everybody's trying to eliminate God here and there, try to remove it from every aspect. All the New Age people want to say they're one with the universe. You could say a lot of things. Or, I am God. All right? Act like God. Be God. Do something constructive. So, Cheryl, let me ask you, um, what do you think is the role of angels? Or what is their purpose? 
for humanity or just That's in correct. general in their dimension? Uh, what is their purpose in relation to us? So it is a dimensional uh, space, you could call it. And as I have been taught by them, they're intermediary in a sense. You could say it in higher, you know, hierarchical ways. You have the supreme energy of all, and then you have different lower frequencies of energies, which are different dimensions that become dense matter. So the, the higher frequencies are not dense matter. And that's why it's very difficult for those who have crossed over to the other side to materialize into form because they're working from their beingness of a higher frequency. And so to densify that is very uncomfortable to that energetic consciousness, right? So the angels are in similar form, non-form, right? They're non-form, they're light, they're energy, they're beings, they're consciousness, but they're assisting and they're assisting humanity because we agreed to do it this way because we have all of these higher, these different levels and dimensions. And so this is all correlated to our chakra system, to our auric field, to our four bodies, the spiritual body, the mental body, the emotional body, and then the physical. Physical is the last place it shows up in. That's because <laughs> it's the most dense and we are the creators of it. And so that which is within us is projected without us, which is why our world looks like that, like it does right now. So the angels are assisting us when we choose to create and involve them or invite them, the only time they can step in, and this is an agreement that we've made with that dimension, is if it will, if we have made a decision which would end the mission that our soul is here for, then they can step in to assist, to support us, to stay the course. And that's what they've taught me of their purpose. Well, yes, they're like, I agree with um, Cheryl, you know, they're here to help us, you know, and if you need help, you can pray for any kind of angel that you need. And they're here in the middle of it. Um, this is silly, but it works. You can pray for a angel, you can pray for a travel angel. Um, you can pray for, my girlfriend was learning how to fly a plane and she needed a landing angel because she was going to crash. So she prayed for a landing angel and she passed her test. She didn't crash. But they're right there to help us. They can suggest, you know, and they can suggest, but they can't make us do something either because we have free will. Yeah. If we choose to do a raspberry, we can choose to do a raspberry at everything. Because we have free will. Sometimes there's destiny. Destiny is predetermined before you get here. Yeah, yeah, that's. And I think what, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Fate, you can change. Destiny, you can't. Okay. Well okay. said. That was yeah, well that, said. That, that's a nice group of words for concepts. Okay, well, there you. There's all your birds. <laughs> What? What were the circumstances of your death? A uh, shooting incident. A shooting incident? Yeah. Okay, so what happened when you came out of your body? Uh, 
I, it looked pretty hopeless watching them work on it. Uh, so uh, I thought I was going to die. And uh, a man was behind me. He told me, both of us in a uh, non-physical state, he said, do you want to live? And I said, yes, of course. And uh, he said, then you shall. Uh, but what made it so useless is watching the hole in the stomach and all the fluid coming out of the hole in the stomach when they were trying to get oxygen in the lungs. So it, it's, it seemed like I was pretty dead. Uh, loss of consciousness and darkness came pretty fast after the shot. The shot went through a lot of organs. Uh, as they said, most people would have died from, it went through the aorta artery, it ricocheted off the spine, kidney, stomach, intestines. Uh, it did quite a bit of damage. Did you so, travel? When you were out, did you travel? Uh, the travels came later. No, so you didn't travel and cross over? You didn't Not cross. on that one. I just watched my body. Okay. On other ones, I traveled the dimensions, and other souls came to me to take me to those dimensions. And uh, what are your experiences with angels? Oh, I had um, a flat tire with, uh, I'm not married anymore, but with my husband, we went, and what happened was the tire company didn't put the donut in the car. So my husband's cussing and swearing and everything. So I, I said prayer, up comes this man. He's all dressed in white. He has white hair, he has blue eyes. He has a white outfit on, he has white shoes on, has a white truck has a little cab over. He goes to the truck. He gets out a tank for air and he gets a tire plug. This truck has everything in it. And he's changing the tire and not a speck of dirt on him. I mean, he's in all white. His hands didn't even get dirty. So he went up to Robert was my husband name. And he elbowed him and he goes, see God can change a tire. And we watched the little white truck drive away, and it evaporated. This is a true story. I'm not making it up. Tommy, um, what happened with your near-death experience? Well, like I said, I had five. Uh, the one I'll talk about the most that I think is important to right now, I was going through depression. I was with a girlfriend uh, having problems, and I was in Hawaii. And I kind of felt like I really didn't want to live anymore because I said, man, this is life. It's pretty bad. So I went out around a lagoon and I got caught in a riptide and I got pulled under the water. And then all of a sudden, I, like she mentioned, I was breathing in water and it's a long time. And I was suspended in the water and I couldn't move. I was flapping my fins, my one fin broke and I'm just still kicking, trying to get up to the top of the water, trying to get into the shore and nothing's happening. All of a sudden, I have three spirit guides around me, but uh, one said, okay, you have the choice now you want to stay and you want to go and at that point it showed me all my lifetimes and showed me where I am now and it says you you can take the choice but make it wisely and I said I didn't want to live at that point at that point I said I'll stay all of a sudden the wave smashed me into the rocks on the side I got out of the water I was covered with blood and I go walking around the house and this lady comes over to me you're, you're real. You're alive. You were underwater for over 15 minutes. 
I didn't, I didn't think you were a real person. And I said, you didn't call the police? You didn't say anything either? Uh, she goes, I'll hose you down. And she washed all the blood off of me. But at that time, I said, I wanted to do one more book, which I finished. But I said, I have to finish this book. And I decided I wanted to stay. So uh, that was my one choice of being allowed to come back. And it wasn't like, oh, I saw them. You don't, you're not allowed to be here. Usually, uh, it depends. If you leave involuntarily, I had a suicide in my life. And I was standing before an angel, two angels, and they said, okay, what are you going to do now? And they said, well, we're not going to let you. And they made me come back. All right. I didn't want to come back at that time. But uh, again, I had five other ones, and they were all different. When I stood before a couple of the higher deities and stuff like that, and they showed me the higher realms, and they said, this is where you need to work to get to. And then when I went there, there's gods. And like I said, you can't get into the mental plane. You can't get into the soul plane until you vibrate at a certain frequency. No other... No other being can get into that realm. I mean, self-realization is when you understand who you are with God. God-realization, understand when you, what you are to God itself. I mean, you start with self-realization in your life, and you work from there to get into God-realization. So when I wrote my last book, The True, True Teachings of Jesus from God-realization, it was from a totally different viewpoint than all the other books I wrote. But uh, when, I, when you leave your body, for me, uh, it's different because they show you things. And it's not like, well, what am I going to deal with the car, house, family? It's things in higher realms. When you die, you're not going to play with any of these things. You're not going to be experiencing these things in the higher realms. When you're given the right to create, which God allows souls past the, the lower planes allowed to create, they create universes and then you live within them. You don't deal with other beings and other people anymore. Uh, it's a totally different reality when you get into the higher realms, especially when you get closer to God. Uh, the deities, they're, they're gods. They, they can be any size you want. People say, what do they look like? Well, if you want to put a size on them, the size of the two planets stuck together, how, how big, whatever. The energy that flows through you can blow you apart if you're not in the right protective shield when that energy hits you. The oh, I've had multiple angel experiences where they've come and they've, they've assisted me. One was on, I was nine months pregnant and I was headed to the doctor. My car broke down in the middle of a very busy traffic, you know, jam, basically. I had to pull into the center section of a four-lane, both-side highway. There was no way, nine months pregnant, I was going to get across this traffic. And almost instantly, a little red car pulls out in front, and, is, and he pulled over probably 30 cars ahead. Like, it was a long distance. He starts to, he gets out of the car, he starts to walk toward me. And immediately says to me, you're okay. It's all okay. It's okay. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, it's just your water pump. Well, he hadn't even come to my car yet. He didn't even know what was going on. And, and I was so frazzled at 21 years old, nine months pregnant, alone, with a broken down car that was steaming, that I didn't even catch that till later. That how could he know that? And so he tells me that he'll take me wherever I need to go, where were you trying to go? And I said, well, I need to get to my doctor because I, I'm having complications. And he says, well, I'll take you. And I said, no, no, there's a gas station right across the highway. Can you just drop me off there and I'll call my husband? Because we didn't have cell phones yet. This was in the nineties. And he said, no, no, we're not stopping at the gas station. It's too important to get you to the doctor. Let's get to the doctor. And immediately I knew I was safe. I knew this was, this was really important. And so he drove me to the doctor and on the way 
he turns and he looks at me and he says, God takes care of those who take care of themselves. And I said, yes, I do understand that. And, and he says, you are very blessed. And I said, I do understand that. There is not a day that goes by that I do not consider how blessed I am and give gratitude for the blessings. And he says, he says to me, he says, will you please tell your husband he's a lucky man? And I thought that was kind of weird. And I wasn't going to tell him that. Another man telling me, <laughs> you know, that sounded like flirt, you know. So I kind of dismissed it. And he felt really human to me in that exchange. And I asked him for his business card. And my intention was to write him a thank you note when I got home. So I go home and I write on this thank you card. I address it to the card address. And two weeks later, the mail came back and it said, no such address. Wow. And I went to try to find the business <laughs> card and I couldn't find it. It was gone. It was not on my refrigerator. And that was just one. That was just one of the times. I had a guy save me from the uh, flat tire. He was a Hispanic guy, didn't speak any English. He told me his name is Augustus. Now, that's not a very popular Hispanic name. Now, Augustus is one of my guide's names. And I know he used it on purpose to tell me I was safe because it was one of the only words he could communicate to me. But he, and he was in a truck <laughs> and I was in a really bad place in Dallas and I shouldn't have been in that area. I was lost. I was on my way to an appointment. Wow. And he came immediately, I mean, within seconds of my flat tire, he showed up and he, re, he uh, changed my tire for me and, and gave me love and, and refused money and told me another message of God. He said, God takes care of you. And I said, I know. And he says, you help too many. And I said, thank you. You do too. Will you accept a gift? He said, no, this is my love. And that's all he could say. And he, he left me. So that was just two of them. But I ha I've had several experiences directly with the angels. In fact, I send them ahead of me during the course of my day. If I'm challenged with things, if I'm feeling humanly as if I'm being resistant, if I'm pushing against what is, if I have personal preferences about it all and judgments of it, I'll send them ahead of me to pave the way so that it is with grace and with ease that my humanness can experience its experiences so that my soul can be directing instead of my human. So I'll send the angels ahead to do that work. So in my personal uh, experience, you know, I'm a Christian. Uh, I've been a Christian for 21 years now. Um, so from my point of view and from my own experience, I see that not only do angels have uh, the role of protection, which is, which is what a lot of people can identify with, also with helping out with situations like, you know, um, being stuck on the side of the road, like, like with Kelly Joe and situations like that. Uh, but also angels are administrators of God's promises. So when I say God's promises, I'm talking about love, peace, protection, long life, relationships, children. Um, I had a beautiful experience with an angel. This was back in 2005. And at that particular time, I was divorced or actually on my way to getting divorced. And this angel, uh, whose name was Kenneth, I know he was an <laughs> angel, he knew things that oh, he, 
he knew things that you know he never could have known unless I had told him face. There was a particular book that I had read, for instance, with his uh, family, and I was telling him, you know, just some basic things about the book and that I wanted him to read it. And he said, oh, that, that's an interesting book, uh, or it sounds like. And so I started to look for it inside my house, and I couldn't find it. And he said, oh, yeah, it was about this uh, multimillionaire that made a promise to God that if he tithed um, 10% of his income, that um, he would be blessed by God. And I said, you know, there's no way that, that, that this guy can know what the book was, was about. And not only that, but some other things happened. But anyway, getting back to my relationship with my ex-wife, um, the, the, the relationship was terrible. And I was thinking about separating. And the first person I called was Kenneth. And he said, Jason, before you get a divorce uh, or separate, I want you to go to the, to the church for marriage counseling. And I said, okay, I'm going to make an appointment because um, he said that the first thing that God is going to ask you is, did you do everything that you could do to work this relationship out? Right. And I said, okay, well, I, I know I didn't try counseling or anything like that, so let me make the appointment. And my ex-wife agreed. So we went to the church, and the first thing that the pastor said was he had gone to a marriage counseling session with hundreds of, of, of people. And the pastor, the first thing that he asked was, uh, do you think that your husband or your wife would ever cheat? And if you do, raise your hand. And of course, nobody raised their hand <laughs> because nobody wanted to admit that in front of their spouse. So um, he asked me a series of questions uh, during the marriage counseling session, and he asked my ex-wife some questions. But towards the end, he says, uh, Jason, I want you to read the book of Ruth. In the Bible. And I said, okay, um, you know, I've never read that book. I don't even know what it's about, but I'm going to read it. And um, so I got home and I read the book and it was about a woman who had lost her husband in a war and her mother-in-law had also lost her husband and her two sons. So the mother-in-law was left alone with her daughter-in-law um, and another daughter-in-law from her, her other son that, that she lost in the war. So as a result, uh, her name, the mother-in-law was named Naomi, and the daughter-in-law was named Ruth. And Naomi, Naomi was, uh, you know, so distraught over her loss that she wanted to return back to her hometown. And Ruth said, well, I'm going to go with you. And Naomi said, no, I, I'm going to go back. I don't have a husband. And, you know, possibly if you can return to your hometown, you'll find another husband. And she said, no, I'm going to stick with you, and your God will be my God. So uh, as a result of being devout to her, to her mother-in-law, uh, she met her future husband, and she got married and had a child. And through that lineage, Jesus was born. So uh, that let me know what kind of person that Ruth was. She was very devout, very loyal, and believed in God. So uh, two and a half years pass, and I'm separated by this time, and it was Love and Friendship Day here in Columbia, which is like the equivalent of Valentine's Day in the States. <laughs> so I decided to go out salsa dancing that night, and I, I didn't want to sit home alone. I, I was by myself during that time. And I had gone out, and um, I saw this beautiful woman, like off in the distance, dancing with her friends. 
And I said, okay, well, she's busy right now. I'm not, I'm not going to go over there right now uh, and ask her in front of these other people. So I went and danced with another woman, and I came back when she was alone. And I asked her to dance, and we ended up dancing for the rest of the night. And towards the end of the night, uh, I said, well, can I get your phone number? Because it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I have an 8 o'clock class. And she said, yeah, sure. And I said, well, what's your name? And she said, Ruth. And I said, okay, this takes me all the way back to the conversation that I had with the pastor in 2005, and this was 2007. So God was trying to tell me during that particular time period through the angel that told me to make this appointment that I was going to know my wife by her name. But not only that, but the, the qualities that she had as a person. So I know that uh, God is, is really concerned about our relationships. If you're single, divorced, or separated, um, there's hope. Don't give up hope. Uh, God wants you to be with your soulmate. I think that exists. But the problem is, is that during these days and times, uh, people have lost their faith in being connected with their soulmate. But it does exist.